Open her, Julie. Fucking finally. That, yeah. man, you know what? The, I have one. no base for saying this. I have zero evidence to back me up, but I believe in my heart that you can tell when a can being opened is a can of Miller Lite. It really, it's crisp, baby. You it know really what? It does have a certain thing. Liz with the mini horse. Uh, will you, as you're doing your re-listening project, just try to tell whether or not you can tell it's Miller Lite based on the sound of the can? That's some bonkers banana shit, too. Yeah. It's such a fun time machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you guys doing? Okay. Living life. <laughs> Pandemic. <laughs> uh, I had experienced briefly just a couple of moments ago uh, a, a, a tiny morsel of pure joy, which was just Julie and I waiting for Janine to jump on our Zoom so that we could record um, singing the Super Mario theme. <laughs> 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 I, I, I just fell into it, and then I thought I didn't know what came next, but then I did know what came next, and that was a little weird. That's what made me start laughing because I didn't. I was like, I didn't think I'd get that far. <laughs> so, and then suddenly you do the, the little ditty where you're getting, you've fallen off the track and now you're getting put back on the track because you just remember all of that. Yep. Yep. Also, do you remember the basement do, one? Do, 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 when you, when you succeed at the end, do you remember the Welcome basement Welcome to Podlander Drug Get No. <laughs> no, go ahead, Julie. There's a better moment. What's the, what's the basement one? Basement one. Oh, yeah. And then when it speeds up. Yeah, why? Oh, why just... do I know that? that fucking, I haven't looked at Super Mario Brothers in probably 30 years. That's our childhood, though, you know? I guess. Yeah. I think, I mean, welcome to Podlater Drunk Cat. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see how long you guys could go. Welcome to Austin, Austin, a Podlander Drunk Cast podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. That's Janine. Hey. Stealing my bit. Um, this is uh, volume one of Austin, Austin, Imbibe and Prejudice. Chapter six, Death Comes to Pemberley. Episode three. <laughs> and the reason I say it like that is uh, a, a peek behind the curtain. We're all old men. Um <laughs> It's very yeah. true. Yeah. That's my, that's, I was going to try to make a clever Wizard of Oz joke and instead I just went with not funny and so vague as to not necessarily read <laughs> like Wizard of Oz joke, but we're old men from Kansas. Does mm -hmm. that do it? Anyway, we're old Kansas men, Kansanians. Yeah. They're probably like Kissafrissos or something. Can you know? Kenz Kenzians? Kansians? Kansans. No, Kansans. How about... Uh, or Topekans. Kansans. Uh, Kansans. Uh, anyway, we're old men. Um, <clears throat> so I'm letting you look behind the curtain because it's the Wizard of Oz. Uh, behind the curtain. Um, we watched episode two in our time, in our timeline, of Death Comes to Pemberley last week. And about halfway through that episode, the hotness of Matthew Reese dialed up so high in my brain that I got a migraine. Um... <laughs> That, 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 it's that only one part of that is fictional. Um, it, but the hotness is true and the migraine are true. They're just 
not related. Anyway, uh, I got a migraine, so we didn't end up recording. So now we're recording. It's a two-episode day. I know some of you love that. Go ahead and check it off on your checklist. It's a two-episode day. Mm-hmm. However, we are doing recording them in reverse order. So you basically already know this. I've just realized that because we are releasing them in the correct order, I've mm-hmm. just explained what everyone already knows. That's yeah. why in the second episode we record today, when we go back to talk about episode two, we should just pretend like none of this ever existed. <laughs> we should just go right into it. <laughs> in fact, we cannot reveal more of that bit at this moment. Oh my okay. God. Time right? travel's fucking hard. No, this I is feel great. like now we can reveal all of the bit. Yeah. Because because they'll already because the bits have already heard happened. episode two. Not, they've gotten they this far. They already know how episode two is gonna go. Yeah, they've gotten this far, and we're just like, what the fuck was going on? You know last what? Episode? Here's the thing. Myself into the fetal position <laughs> and start crying because this will never make sense. Here's the thing. Here's Welcome. the thing. It's, it's just it's just that the people listening are our future. Yes. So. Yes. So you know more, you, dear listener, you, Liz with the mini horse, know more about episode two than we know because we haven't recorded. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was great. This is starting like episode two of a two episode day, but it's episode one. Okay. Oh, wow. So before, oh. before we just dive straight into these fucking hijinks, because oh it's so fresh God. and that's why we decided to record this one first. Oh, man. Is I, I feel I would I need to tell you guys something. There's okay. a yeah. car parked in front of our building <laughs> whose car alarm has been going off a lot and it's very loud. And so there may be times where we have to pause. So let's keep it tight. Let's go. But be ready for the car alarm. <laughs> Can't wait. No, this has to be part of it. Now we're going full memento. Julie, whatever you do. I won't mention the car alarm. Don't mention the car alarm. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully, guys, I don't care if the car alarm goes off in this episode. Just keep talking. (laughs) Just keep talking (laughs) and do not laugh. Why is this so funny? (laughs) Because I can imagine being a person who listens to this ridiculousness who listens to this content and having just listened to what we're about to perpetrate on them for episode two <laughs> they could not they were going out of their minds and then they perpetrate start saying, on them we w- it is going to be perpetrated <laughs> <laughs> and then we come back and we're all like yeah 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 we did that sorry not sorry here we go <laughs> okay okay so we, we've covered the car alarm. We've covered oh, that sick on. fucking bit hold that we just so perpetrated on y'all. <laughs> she can't hear you. She unplugged I her headphones. Okay. <laughs> she she's back. Oh, okay. man. Okay. So here we are. We've already laughed about time travel and then found ourselves in a true wormhole. Got really excited about it. It started getting high on our own supply that we haven't even created yet. <laughs> There are those who would say something has already been perpetrated. <laughs> and we're but not we talking about when Matthew Reese's hotness gave me a migraine. Oh, Ooh. gosh. He, you know what? I have said before that he's not my super tops, but there was a moment in episode three that we're actually going to talk about right now where I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh. 
I would very much enjoy fucking that person. Yeah. Was it the apology? Because yes. that apology is hot. Well, first the good. apology and then the apology. There's oh. like the apology and then the other apology. The the underlined apology. I like my reaction the entire time was, oh, oh, oh. Oh, we're watching a little bit of Bridgerton. I'm into this. Okay. Yeah. Come on. I, I went strong sexual content. <laughs> At first I went, no. Then I went, huh? Then oh. I went, oh my God, please let me run my fingers through that chest hair. Mm. It was his chest hair that just grabbed me by the short and curlies and wouldn't let go. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, Patty. He's hot. So He's hot. episode three. Y'all remember what happened in episode two, so I'm not. <laughs> we I'm need gonna to pretend it. like it doesn't even exist. Yeah, Here we, we go. talked about it. Yeah, uh, you get it because it doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist because we, we haven't recorded it yet. Oh my god, we <laughs> are so wrong for this. We are the worst. <laughs> we are. So, we, we. I'm so sorry to all of you, every last one of you. We lo- as much as you love us, we love us more. Our, <laughs> Our loyal <laughs> listeners, I'm so sorry. We're such assholes. Okay, no, we're we really not. We're not. We're not. Are you kidding? This, oh. is, this is. They love us because of our dysfunction, guys. Anyway, yeah. death comes to. Anyway, murder. Let's talk about murder. <laughs> yeah. So my first note for this episode, I think, is going to get us right into the thick of it, which is, Wickham tastes the consequence. <laughs> He's in jail. He's thinking back to the past. When he told our gal, Louisa, that poor summer child from the woods, that his name was Freddie, and he was so handsome in his red coat, and they would cavort in the woods, and then, of course, fuck in the woods. Thus, the baby he's trying to cover up for. The woods baby. The woods baby. And I'm like, fucking finally, is this a moment for him to be, as Neil would say when we were watching it, chastened? Is he finally chastened? Well, first of all, point A, one might say that Wickham tasted a consequence back when he stood in a church in front of Lydia Bennett and she swore to stay with him forever. You know what? You're right. Um, But this is obviously a more significant consequence. I mean, I'm sure that they have also had some dark times. One of my favorite things about Death Comes to Pemberley is actually is that both Lydia and Wickham get a lot of shading. Yeah. Um, and I think that some of that just comes down to the very fine actors playing those parts, who I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot in this episode. But um, also, like you, you see the like the entitled rage monster that's in Wickham, but also connect him with the child. Right? You mm-hmm. can like see a line from that kid whose life was what it was and who experienced what he did to this adult Mm -hmm. um and that doesn't mean that he's a good person as we see at the end of this episode they are still the worst they are true americans yes 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 when they were like oh we're going to america it's like perfect that's where you belong you're gonna love la (laughs) LA. (laughs) there you know what oh my god the wickhams would totally have a reality show absolutely yes yeah yeah. You know what? They should have triplets. Triple Wickhams. Uh, anyway. Once so again, I would like oh, to apologize. Oh, fuck both of you. <laughs> oh. I'm the one who gets crickets? Oh. Oh. Thanks, guys. Oh, my God. 
Oh my god, I've got to get it together. Get it together. Oh, Come we're on. never gonna finish these. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, and then in a very like scary and very upsetting and sad moment, Louise takes that baby to a bridge and almost Tallahatchie bridges it. Seriously, yes. that was like fucking scary as shit. It was like fucking. We weren't even a minute in, and that yeah. shit was happening. Holy hell. Yeah, and I was like, oh no, oh oh, and then she stopped herself, and we're all like, ooh. Oh, God. Okay, that would have been terrible. You know what I love about that? I'm not going to go on a big, lengthy English nerd Pride and Prejudice rant here, but I think that through a contemporary lens, as we've talked about before, it can be hard to see the choices that Lydia makes being so catastrophic for their family until you see another woman who was seduced by Wickham, who promised marriage and a future and a family who didn't have a Darcy to step in for her and make something happen and what the consequences were going to be for her entire family. Um, you can, I just really like that we get this sort of juxtaposition of exactly how fortunate everyone is that the situation, everyone in the Bennett family, everyone in the Darcy family, how, how lucky it is that they were able to resolve that the way they did. Cause that's yeah, re- the consequences. It really- really highlights the class aspect of this, right? If you have, you like, you have resources, then you're going to be fine. If you don't have resources, you're going to feel like you got to jump off a fucking bridge. And it didn't just, it didn't just ruin her family's life. It ruined everybody's family's life. So Wickham is just really a true shit bag. Just like he's terrible. His entitlement is off the charts. And it's so, I understand like how somebody could be born to that life as Allison said, but goddamn taste of consequence. Here it is. Well, and this is a, good reminder of the sort of boundaries of the golden butthole because an Austin butthole is not necessarily a villain and an Austin villain is not necessarily a butthole because Wickham is like too aware of exactly how terrible he is to be a but an oblivious butthole in the way that we think of a lot of the other Austin buttholes, right? Agreed. Like, yeah. You don't like put Mrs. Wickham Bennett, in the yeah. same category as Mr. Collins, right? Or mm-hmm. Mrs. Bennett. No. Um, he's a predator. Yeah. He's very he's he is in full control of what he's doing because he's obviously very intelligent and incredibly charming. And that's another big thing that comes up for him in this episode because there's no it's uh, one of the things I love most is he keeps saying, I didn't do it, and no one on the show or watching has any reason to believe that he is telling the truth because we have seen him repeatedly lie so expertly that his word means jack shit. Yeah. Like, like none, like for the audience, for the people in the court, everybody, everyone is like, well, he probably did it. He's like, no, no, seriously. I didn't. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, like yeah, all whatever. those other things you didn't do. Right. Liar. You're yeah, fucking totally. Liar. Matthew Good is so good in this episode. <clears throat> yeah, he did oh, do yeah. a very good job. Um, and also, this was my Matthew Reese episode too. Oh, yeah. It's like when I really got with it, that apology, it went a long way. Um, so the Ben Franklin looking motherfucker, Buff Muffer, Hardcastle, or whatever the fucking magistrate's name is, <laughs> Buff Muffer's all up in Pemberley. Like, why don't you tell me about this groom's daughter? What the fuck is up with that pregnant that baby? Mm-hmm. And Lizzie lays it all out. She's like, look, that's Wickham's kid. (laughs) Want you to know this might come up. And that is a very uh, important plot point later Mm -hmm. that he, that the magistrate knows that there could be some crossover between the crime and this baby. And he like kind of lets it go. 
um, that we get to see, we're treated to at least like four or five shots in this episode of the gallows being prepared. And as a thought experiment, you guys, what hmm. would it be like if we were the people who had to build the scaffolding and uh, like do that? Like that's your job. <sighs> Imagine your job is the guy who cuts the ropes after. I wonder... Imagine your job is you make soap out of the They're fat. Yeah. Was that a thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Have you Damn. seen Fight Club? Well, yeah, I know that, but, like, I didn't know that was a thing in, like, a real thing. Yeah. Remember in Outlander when in she Outlander. used the, um, when the guy that helped her in the surgery, who was also the undertaker, had the dead man's grease? Remember the fat, the fat of d people from the gallows? Oh. And they also used it to make soap. Oh. Well, that's, the good old days were dark. Holy fuck. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's not nice, right? Holy shit. <laughs> but you shit. know what? I think that probably helped reduce their carbon footprint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conservation, uh, baby. Uh, <laughs> I was, I, here I was trying to make, I was in my brain going like trying to make a, a modern a, a analog to what it must be like to, you know, build the end of someone's life. And then I just realized the soap thing. I'm I'm feeling really dark right now. Good job. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm here. Ooh, and we're headed toward Pampleteen territory. Put that put up. <laughs> the uh, the Tallahatchie Bridge sequence I think is also kind of important in this particular adaptation to me because it wouldn't be. I don't think it would be out of the bounds of this adaptation for her to kill herself. Like yeah, it, I mean, this uh, this adaptation has already been set up to be way darker and oh way, yeah. and so now I look back at the the past in episode one when I was like it's so dour and I'm like well yeah kind of is dour honestly when she didn't fall I was very relieved but I was also like but might might she is this a, still a thing because like holy fuck I could mm -hmm. see her killing herself oh my yeah. goodness so it's a good reminder of how dark we're gonna get. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. So and the stakes. The stakes. The stakes are very high. Buff Muffer's like, all right, so he w had a dalliance with this girl. Hmm. After a fashion. Did he say he loved her? After a fashion. Oh, Ugh, it was gross. It's fucking gross, motherfucker. And then um, we see, we get a name for Helena for the first time, for Mrs. Young. Yeah, that's yes. the, big, the big reveal mm -hmm. um, of... Well, I guess the first big reveal of the episode is that our our hissing lady is that the character previously known as <laughs> will now be known as Mrs. Young um, uh, of Pride and Prejudice fame. Um, you may know her from Pride and Prejudice and Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And nope, she's not in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. She's definitely a zombie. Um She's in that undead pack, maybe. Mrs. Young is the very nice lady who was like, yes, I'll be the guardian of Georgiana Darcy. And then was like, here, do you remember this guy? And sort of pushed her on over toward Mr. Wickham, who is apparently her brother. Which I think is, I like this twist. Like suddenly it like made it really dark. Also gothic. Like yeah, like just gothic, because it seemed like maybe she was in love with him. Like it, it was strongly implied that she had some very deep emotion for Wickham. I, you know, I honestly, uh, part of me doesn't know if it's actually true that they're brother and sister. Oh, I think they are. I think his reaction will, which we'll get to. I think his reaction tells us that they are. Okay. 
But she is because he doesn't care that much about any of the women he fucks. Nope. So like if he's torn up about it. That's a good point. That's that's a good point. No. So she we find we find out she's his sister, as Allison said. And um, we're getting a little bit of shading into that, but they're still keeping it kind of murky. Like they don't want to bring that to the forefront at the very beginning of the episode. But now we know a little something about the purple hat lady. Um, then they, he, she's grilling Louise or Louise is talking to the magistrate or something. And there's the single tear. Oh God. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. It was like top level single tear, like Demi Moore single tear. Yeah. Like, Demi and Moore the, and ghost level yeah. tear. And I'm fairly certain they used that, that whatever that cut in that scene was, they just used her entire performance as the voiceover for the flashbacks and all the other things. And like everything about that was just so seamless. I, mm-hmm. on the on the watch the watch party thing, that was where I was just like, "Fuck, man, she brought it." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me let me pull up her name while y'all keep talking, so we can give that actress her due. Her due. And, and then I'm thinking about her poor sick brother in there in his deathbed, and I'm like, "Why is sad, sick, tuberculosis kid so handsome? Like he's supposed to look like he's dying, right? He's." A little handsome for my taste. Well, he's he's pale and clammy, so I guess that's supposed to be Maybe less. It's like, there's um, Julie. I have an answer for you that can be summed up by a line I'm going to paraphrase from *Sense and Sensibility* by one Jane Austen, mm-hmm. which is that: "Is there not something interesting to you of the sunken cheek and hollow eye of a fever?" Which is uh, that. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a little that's a little Eleanor Dashwood to Marianne Dashwood burn. Saying like, well, that's because romantics are like, oh, he wastes away. Oh, look at his poor tormented face. He's so yeah. Why though? Is it because they need help? Like what? I think it's just, um, you know, you know how you know how the the zombie from Hocus Pocus is hot. Yes, it's it's that. It's like we respond to. The cheekbones. We respond the to the hot, eyes. even if it's like half dead hot. Yeah, like, but like maybe half, if you're already a certain kind of hot, gaunt hot. Yeah. And, and then you're ill. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's like a, an especially good hair day for your face. Yeah, yeah. Bringing you down just a little, like a little contour, if you will. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, oh, this is terrible. Once is, again, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Um, and then we find out that Colonel Fitzwilliam, who, by the way, whoever, who's that actor, if you're looking at the cast list, that guy is creepy as fuck. And he plays him really well. Cause he, he's so like, this is his world. Like he doesn't, oh my God, he's really a creep. He is, it's fascinating to me how, how as he's as entitled as Wickham is, but like in a way that's that owns it. Like he never ran into the problem of no one accepting that he should be entitled. And that's mm-hmm. very, like it's, it's the conversation he has with George, Georgiana and like subsequently Wickham or pardon me, Darcy later on. And just like, Holy fuck, you are, you are, you are a piece of shit. Just like Wickham is. But he, <laughs> he does have an, a redemption moment. So he it's does. okay. But, but really at this point where we are right now in the, in the plot, he is yeah. just gross. Yeah. Cause so, he's, he's with something on the baby buying, like, ugh. um, so his name is Tom Ward. You may have seen him in such epic titles as uh, Silent Witness, which he did 96 episodes of 
um, mm. British TV series. Um, Hawking. He was in the TV movie. The Infinite Worlds of H.G. Wells. Uh, mm. The the miniseries of Anna Karenina. The 2000 miniseries of Anna Karenina. He was in Vanity Fair. He does a lot of period drama. Um, the Frankenstein Chronicles. And also a single episode of Doctor Who. Uh, coincidentally, one of the early episodes for one Jenna Coleman. So... <laughs> They had worked together before. Well, well, well. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe worked together after. No, it was before. And then um, Louisa Bidwell, Nicola Burley. Yeah, she did very well in yeah. this Yeah, episode. she was great. She was very good. Um, although I was calling this episode in my mind, I was calling this episode the one where everyone earns their paycheck because they're like, nobody misses in this episode. Nobody Not misses. one person. Everybody one is like top of their game. It's even, not a even bad ch- moment. Even the children playing on the lawn at the end, they did a great job playing. Everyone was so fucking good. (laughs) Um, If you are watching Behind Her Eyes, a Netflix series that I'm not going to watch because I read about it and I read the crazy ending, so now I don't have to see it. Um, A lot of people are watching it now. She is in that. She is playing Sophie in Behind Her Eyes. Anyway, good job, Nicola Burley. Uh, So... Let's break it down. Fitzwilliam's involvement in the selling the Bidwell baby plot. How does it work? The BBP? Because he is somehow involved... (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) With the baby purchase, right? Wait, 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 wait. The ba-ba-pa? The ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-
So he convinced himself that he was doing her a solid. Well, mm-hmm. but even in his redeeming moment, like it's just like he's just gross. Yeah. He just he knew what he was doing the entire time, mm-hmm. and it was all very much like I'm gonna. This is mine. I've I've stuck a claim on this piece of property that mm-hmm. you would probably like as well, and would make this person very happy. But that's my property, and I'm gonna t- like do this thing. Fuck yeah. that. Oh he, yeah. I, no, he's he's the worst. God, he and sucks. that actor did a really good job of walking that thin. Once again, what's his name? Tom Ward. <laughs> Tom, Tom Ward, Ward did a very good job of walking the very thin line between that sort of like, obviously this is the way it is, which was a problem with Darcy when we first met him way back in the day, right? Yeah. This is just the way it is. I'm just acting according to my station and some level of sympathy. But he, he's very good and gross. Yeah. I think that's a good, we can use that to transition to talking about his big scene with Darcy, which is, I think, like the... It's the sequence of the episode where we go yeah. from, um, because then we get the apology and then we get the bone, we, then we get on the first train to Bone Town and mm-hmm. then um, get some other good things. Mm-hmm. But I think that they are so great together because you can watch on Matthew Reese's face the moment where he's like, wow, I'm a dick. Like, <laughs> like seeing in him. Like, uh, not only that he was wrong, but also the things that he was sort of believing and act- acting on turned up to 11, where he went, God, I did it again! How did <laughs> I, I do that? Like I thought some, I learned. Like, somehow he re-witnessed his first proposal to Lizzie. Like, that's, yeah. like, what happened totally. in that carriage. He was He's like, like, oh, did I do this? Fuck that. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's really, and Matthew Reese does a really good job of sort of letting that lie underneath the entire episode, right? From there on out. You just see him being like, this is actually way more complicated. And also, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm wrong all the time. It's really, the switch is really, it's really great. Mm-hmm. I love that scene. It's obviously very dramatic, but that little element of comedy where you can see him being like, God, I'm such an asshole. And the wonderful. button, the button on that scene is even more comically awesome because that's when Fitzwilliam gets out of the carriage and goes, yeah. it's like a little, what happened? Yeah. Like a little like shrug, like, yeah. huh? They, what? The beats in that too were really great. Like you could feel the verbal slap, like like mm-hmm. the slap heard across the world. Well, he, so he fucking Matthew Rees fully like recoiled Real, from him yeah. for a moment. Like, what the fuck? Oh, fuck. I promise, <laughs> I promise I'm going to keep this short because knowing me, uh, the me of the future that's the me of the past to you probably also talked about the Americans a lot in episode two. So I won't do it long here, but I will say if you like that scene, may I suggest watching the Americans, one of the greatest TV shows of all time in which Matthew Reese is incredibly good. And so much of it is exactly like what you're talking about, where you can see these internal things play out in him without him necessarily even changing his face a whole ton. He's very Tobias like in that way. Mm, He's mm-hmm. a great, mm-hmm. great, great actor. One of our great actors currently living. I think he's phenomenal. I kind of hope that in episode two, we didn't talk about the Americans at all. So that's a confusing conversation we just had. We'll see. And I'm talking in the past tense because it's not the future. It's the past. We don't know yet. <laughs> it hasn't happened. <laughs> We can't <laughs> love this bit. We can't change the past <laughs> because it doesn't exist yet. Oh. oh my god, we are never gonna get through this fucking thing. All right, um, 
Great. We got a haul ass. Let's let's, uh, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up the uh. old Georgiana storyline because that's all part of this, right? Yeah, fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so the deal here is basically um, our handsome young radical uh, is doing a good job being a lawyer and stuff. And um, and then Fitzwilliams, you know, is a butthole. And Darcy's like, oh, my bad, Georgiana. I was very wrong. I was extremely wrong. It is apologies are so hot. Um, he apologizes to both of these women very sincerely you can tell he loudly in the front hall in front of all the servants that are there at golden loudly. hour without Jesus. and not like i'm sorry you felt that way he's like Mm-mm. i was wrong here's an itemized list of the things i did that are wrong except for to lizzie because he doesn't need to because he's just like you are you were right i was wrong again <laughs> That's just really. Anyway, um, the point being, because then we'll get back to we'll get back on the train to Bowtown. But um, Georgiana, who again insists, no, I said yes out of my own free will. The proposal scene was also really creepy. Oh God, oh, so when creepy. he backed her into that fucking shelf. Ew. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, she, basically, she's free to marry a handsome lawyer now. So handsome lawyer does a good job. And handsome then, lawyer comes through in that last moment when they meet up and agree to marry. Oh yeah. I was not expecting that guy to be like romance level style hot right, riding up on a horse, but then his shirt is like half undone and like <sighs> it's like he's ridden through the night to like be there. You know what I'm talking about? And I was it's like, like, all right, he buddy. Drove yeah. all night to get yeah, it was like that, and I was like, it's okay. It's a Celine yeah. Dion moment. You have really reached a new level when you ascend to the Celine Dion tier of emotional journeys, but that's that definitely a Celine Dion moment. Uh, <laughs> and they like made out on the lawn with Pemberley in the background on a nice mm-hmm. sunny day with their both their glowing blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. <sighs> at one end of the reflecting pool, while Jesus. the other couple was making out at the other end of the reflecting mm-hmm. pool. I like to yeah. imagine that there's just a goose going back and forth between them. I'm just over here going, look at all these Abby couples. It's so great. Hey, you know what? I can see your cat right now. I know. He's so adorable. So you might want to not say that so loud. Well, listen, he is my soul buddy. He is your soul buddy. My best friend. Oh, my God. Look at him. Look at his big poofy tail. It matches your hair exactly. We are like, I mean, never have I ever really thought that pets could look like their owners. And then I... (laughs) And then you've got it. It's just like you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, okay. Anyway, um, so Georgiana, Georgiana, that's a wrap. She gets her man. It's very nice. Also, uh, the Northanger Abbey uh, Audible adaptation I keep trying to get y'all to watch. The girl who plays Georgiana is Eleanor Tomlinson, who is also in that, and she's very good in that, and you should listen to it. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Uh, And then Lydia. Oh, my God. Man, we got some flavors on her today. Goodness. She killed it. Yeah. In this episode. So basically the entire family is doing a lot to shield her from the knowledge that her waste of space fucking husband fucked a girl in the woods and made a baby. Like they're a woods shut- baby. Excuse a me. Wood baby. Use the technical term. Woods baby. <laughs> so they're shunting her off to Jane's house, which you know, oh my God. Jane Bingley's house. Let's talk about it. You walk in and it is like walking into a Nancy Myers set. <laughs> Everything is neutral and very relaxing. 
right? It's just like there's nothing off. Everything's perfect and very, very calming. And Jane's like, go sit in that corner. And then she just stays there and talks to herself for five days. <laughs> so Lydia's at Jane's for now, right? We got to take care of her. But then finally Lizzie is like, I got to tell her about that Woods baby. I well, have to tell her. And then Darcy tells her, right? Yeah, um, Darcy's like, you're right. They're like, they're still canoodling. Like she's still mm-hmm. stro- running her fingers through his chest hair. When, when he's like, I, listen, I don't want to bring down the mood, but we have to talk about your sister. Ugh, boner killer. <laughs> yeah. But she does. And then Jenna Coleman's like, <clears throat> nope. Hold on. Acting. Yeah. yeah. Good that God. Scene, that scene with her and Lizzie was fantastic. I was prepping myself for a horrible Lydia moment. And I was, I was like, I, and like in the cast, I was like, you know, going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, shit, shit, shit. And then they had this really nice moment where I was like, oh wow, Lydia took that. Lydia's got a dark experience right now that I'm really into. Goodness, you can tell by the way she does it. I get so excited when acting moments like this happen. You, Jenna Coleman, plays that, yeah, as something that she has done before. Like many mm-hmm. times before where someone has been like, I have to tell you something about your husband and she just dodges and it reframes a whole bunch of her behavior in a fascinating light. I just, God, what a good, well-written, impeccably acted, great scene from both of them, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you warm to Anna Maxwell Martin at all this episode? Oh, a little bit. She still, it, there's just something. I don't know. I don't, it feels just slightly removed for me. And I I can't really explain it. She's an incredible actress, and I enjoy watching her. And I did like the fucking Bone Town, which we will get to when they were ripping each other's clothes off. I was like, yes, because that's what Lizzie and Darcy do, right? So, yes, I like her. I just, there's something, something not meeting. She seems very stately. Well, I don't think Lizzie Bennett couldn't be stately, but like more reserved than maybe what I'd, expect Lizzie Bennett to be. Maybe. That's my vibe. I like yeah. her, though. I don't know. I think it's... She's also older, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And because it's more dour, I wonder if she had gotten more punchlines. Because you know what? Here's the thing. There is a reason why I thought this is my favorite Anna Maxwell Martin episode of the three of them. And it's because of that scene we get with Lady Catherine, where it's like oh, yes. classic Lizzie Bennett comes out to play. Whoo! Mm-hmm. The Lady Catherine scene was definitely a highlight. That was they a could, All three episodes, they managed to cram so much shit into one hour. It's really great economy of storytelling because there's so many threads. And, you know, when we do record episode two, you'll see why I'm nervous about that. Well, you might have already seen. Mm-hmm. You've already heard. <laughs> you've already listened to me doing whatever I did. What I'm surprised on this note of like these these episodes being so jam packed is that they still they find a way to use silence and beats in such an incredible way where so much does happen. But yet there are these really great just looks and like just moment of like taking it in silence where 
I'm amazed they're able to get this much narr- narration done and all that. You know what this is? That's because mm. this is a television show and not a movie. In this essay, I will explain <laughs> why it is that people who are writing for television should always embrace the episodic model because that's what you're making. If you were saying to yourself, I'm writing a movie and I'm dividing it into eight parts, what you've described is a bad television show. Because each episode should be an episode, and all three of these episodes have their own arc and their own shape, and they're certainly connected to each other, but it's satisfying because the episodes themselves have a really great structure, and there are multiple acts, and they pay just great. It's it's good. This is a well-made television show that is not a movie. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, you know there's a book that really talks about that thesis. <laughs> That I think I think you're the author of it, Allison. Yeah, uh, it's called uh, "How TV Can Make You Smarter." Right. Remind us. Yeah, it's called "How TV Can Make You Smarter." <laughs> <laughs> now available at bookstores near you. Please ask your local bookstore if they are carrying "How TV Can Make You Smarter," and if they're not, say, "I'd like to buy it, please," and they'll say, "We can special order it for you," and you'll say, "No, I only want it if I can buy it off the shelf," and then they'll order. A hundred books. I've cracked the code. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's that's very literally on my coffee table. I look at it every day. Oh, it's a coffee table book. How cute. Yeah. Anyway, um, you guys are nice. <laughs> Thanks. That was that was very goofy and nice of you. Thank you. Uh, so, who are we talking about now? Let's talk about the trial. Let's talk about the yeah. Trial. Let's talk about that trial. So Wickham's on trial now because and. I can't vouch for what I said in the past or future in this case. Last episode was just an inquest. This episode is the trial. So he's actually on trial for murder. And we all know that it's a little fishy and he's probably not the one that did it. And we're all a little bit like, "Mm." well, because we're watching a TV show. So we know that he didn't do it because he's the one who was accused. Right. But we're also like, I kind of like that he's scared. And also, he's definitely lying. We just don't know what he's lying about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just a world-class liar. No, seriously, I'm telling the truth, you guys. I know last uh, episode, when we watched it uh, in the cast and we talked about it, but not when we recorded it already in the future from That's Your Past Now. Um, (laughs) 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 But I remember... Once again, we're all sorry. I'm not. <laughs> uh, but I remember calling it like, oh, I think it's this character who 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 did this. Um, but even watching this third episode, which we're now talking about in the present, not the past or the future, um, I kept wanting it to be Wickham. Like, I was just like, I want it to be you, you piece of shit. Like, mm-hmm. you fucking, I want you to get yours. And then it wasn't. I have <laughs> to admit that I was even just pleased with his having to go through it emotionally and psychologically. And you know... Getting you know up who on the, yeah. knows that? You know who understands that that's what the people want? Mr. Matthew Good, who mm-hmm. makes it very obvious that this is, he has never had a worse day in his entire life. He is like, he cannot deal with how bad things are and is just saying shit to feel, you know what? It's like, if if he was alive today, he would be uh, impulse 
purchasing Murder She Wrote themed cross stitches from eBay. Like he would be doing, he would have spent an hour this morning googling Edith Head sketch to see if you could find an Edith Head sketch to put in your bar. Like he would be going through all of the coping mechanisms because he's that unable to deal. But there wasn't internet, so he just had to feel his feelings and think really hard about the choices he's made. And it was he was not feeling great about it. He looks under the makeup is great too because he looks incredibly underslept. Um, mm-hmm. There's that great moment where uh, Darcy is like, you should at least put the desk by the window, like in his jail cell, like get some sunlight. And <laughs> and Matthew Good goes, I take it you haven't seen the view. And it's like dead. And it's because it's the gallows. <laughs> <laughs> it's like very dark humor is, is good. It's a good performance. He is miserable. So he's on trial, and the two lawyers, we've got our hot little firebrand on the defense, Henry, whatever his name is. What is it? Alberson. Alberson. Yeah. The man who Georgiana loves is going to defend Wickham. And then we got this hotshot kid over here. What's his name? Cartwright. Mr. Cartwright is going to be the prosecuting attorney. He's a real Doogie Howser, right? Yeah, he looks like a baby. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's he's like 20. Huge brain for the law, though, and his brain for the law is all about let's just cast as many aspersions on this person as possible so that you just think they're a bad person. And once again, may I say kudos, because it's correct. Yeah. (laughs) This guy deserves to hear this happen to him. He deserves this treatment. So, hmm, like when, but then there's the part of you that's interested in the actual law and you're like, that shouldn't count. Of course it does. You know what I like? I like that Death Comes to Pemberley ensures that the only thing Wickham didn't do was kill Denny. It's the only thing he didn't do. Exactly. Yeah. Like he did everything else. else. Did. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that's what the entire series is, is fan fiction for the people who wanted to see Wickham go through pain. <laughs> yeah. That's oh. the good stuff. It is. Put it right in my veins. Let me snort that off a mirror. Oh, Woo! gosh. Put it in a joint. I'll smoke it. So, <laughs> whew, I just, like, just putting those ideas together just got me high. Oof. So, Wickham, guilty. No shade. There is a hilarious moment where we get a supporting actor that doesn't really happen a lot here with people that don't have more than one scene. That happens twice. Next one's Lady Catherine, but first Lady Piggott. Piggott? Mrs. Piggott? Mrs. Piggott, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that actress, one day of work, <sighs> nailed it. She Knocked it out so of the fucking good. park. That's the only job I ever want. Just bring me in one day. I've got four shots. I've got inside, outside, and then in the courthouse. Boom. And what I love about the like all those shots, it was very obvious. Like, listen, so in every single one of these interactions, you're performing for somebody. Like, it's kind of like an obvious. You're talking to a lawman, so I'm performing about. Yeah, that was a fucking nutso day. And now you're in front of a, a crowd of people who are going to jeer at you. So just keep playing to the audience the entire time. And you know she what? Fucking knocked it out of the park. I didn't notice though. Did she get a new hat? She did. She did. Oh yeah, she had on she had on a nice outfit when she came into yeah. court. And I mean, I understand that. You're this is your shot, baby. And the last thing you want everybody to know is that you are on the fucking shitter. And that was hilarious. <laughs> it was so good. Her so name is Teresa Churchor, by the way. 
when she couldn't say when she was trying to talk real quiet <laughs> i love that bit forever anytime somebody's <laughs> neil does it to me all the time where all of a sudden he'll be talking to me in a normal voice and it, i'll like quit paying attention and he'll be talking and then he'll just start talking real quiet <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Oh man. So with the help of witnesses, like character witnesses like this, Wickham is found guilty on very kind of specious charges. There's no real there's no motive. In fact, fucking that's the other deal with Buff Muffer. He uh the magistrate gets on the stand and does not reveal about the baby. Because he's feeling bad about his dad's involvement with the Darcy's and the poacher when he was a kid. Yeah. So he's trying to protect the Darcy name, too, in kind of a weird, like, patriarchal way. But he doesn't spill the beans. He also, in his credit, does say it's not like he interfered with the criminal justice system in a in a way that would have been particularly damaging. Because his first point is like, well, I figured he was going to hang anyway. So why make it look bad for you? <laughs> like, he's like he 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 was already he was already going down. So didn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I didn't. Yeah. They. If they don't need a motive to convict, it's pretty. Yeah. It's got to be pretty, pretty solid case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's anybody got anything else from the trial? Well, here's a question from the trial. Henry is keeps protesting and objecting because Cartwright is doing a whole bunch of bullshit, like leading <laughs> questions and like judgment calls and like just terrible lawyering. And Henry's all like, I object, bitch. This is terrible. And the judge's like, shut up. You're n- well, he said something at one point, like you're not, you're like unconventional objections, something of that nature. Didn't that like, just feel modern? It, like, ma- it made me, f- it made me f- feel like the show was trying to convince us that Henry Alverson invented, invented the contemporary objection like 200 <laughs> years ago, <laughs> right? Where, like, where we're supposed to look up Alverson, then it's going to be like the, the inventor of the contemporary form of a objection in the legal system <laughs> oh, wow. it did feel like that it yeah. was it, it was fan fiction pardon prejudice fan fiction with a little tiny biopic in the middle yeah like just it's like this the venn guy. diagram of like legal history like suddenly popped up on that and one. that's mm-hmm. how a bill becomes a law <laughs> and then we go back to death comes to Pemberley. Yes. Um, I was amazed uh, if the last thing, I guess, for the trial, just our, our Santa Claus judge. Like Santa Claus judge was a fascinating costume for me. Like he had the red robe with the like white fringes and the, the weird black top he put on his head. When, he when was they brought judgment. the black top in, do you think that they did that before every judgment was pronounced or only when death was pronounced? Oh, I think. I, it, uh, I mean, it must have been because they wouldn't need to make a pronouncement otherwise, right? Like, You're right. That you cover regardless. But I don't know. Is it because you're a judge and you're covering your head from God because you're yes, making a judgment? Yes, that was, that was how I yeah. read it. Is okay. That yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense because I was obsessed with the drag of that moment. That was just such a like, like please. Uh, and I, I thought it was going to be something like where you read, but it was like, no, here's a, here's a fucking handkerchief I'm going to set on yeah. your head. Mm-hmm. And now you die. That's a great scene. The, they, the close-up that they go to of Matthew Good when he's getting condemned, is, it's a lot of like tiny eye muscle acting. I love that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then in the middle of that, 
of course, Darcy is at the trial and goes every day because he's Darcy. Oh. And, and he testifies. Time, he does testify. And, and the way that we've told it, that's already happened, right? But yeah. uh, Lizzie is back at Pemberley. And guess who drops by? Guess who just shows up? Oh, La- Lady Catherine? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> boom, here I am. <laughs> she, um, that was such a great reminder of like what Mr. Collins sounded like too. Mm-hmm. You know? Just like coming in like, hey, I know everything shit. I'm here to fix everything for you and you're welcome yeah. in advance. It's fine. I yeah. know we already ca- talked about the scene a little bit, but when Anna Maxwell Martin is like, Lydia, come here. I don't think you oh, yes. met like <laughs> Great. Get out of jail free card. It was basically like, hey, so here's my um, my uh, horror crux to get you out of here. <laughs> well, also, it's not just that Lydia is annoying. It's also that the mere whiff of Wickham's wife being in the room with her puts her up for scandal and she's like i gotta go oh yeah so it was the um very well executed double burn because it burned lady catherine on purpose and then it was a little bit of shade at lydia too just a little lady catherine's my favorite thing she said during that very hilarious in in, in exchange was i was visiting someone who was on a deathbed and i just they were taking way too long and i said you know you just need to make up your mind die or live but do it so it's not an inconvenience to us thank you very much come on so where are we yeah yeah (laughs) yeah she sucks um anyway that scene was adorable and you're right that was my favorite lizzie was the uh like moving around the verbal sparring of that and then fucking repaid the chest or whatever and i'm out like that and then lady catherine gets up to go and she's like oh no stop please don't 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 go (laughs) oh okay bye (laughs) yeah um and then okay let's talk a little bit about helena young yeah wickham's sister we mentioned it earlier she was the mysterious lady in purple out in the pemberley woods we also come to find out that she's the one actually trying to get the baby because it's wickham's baby she's his sister she wants a chance to raise this baby I kind of feel like it's a money grab. I mean, come on. But also, she's she seems like hypnotized, or, or some, there's something about this actor, the way they portray this role, that really makes me be like, "Are you okay?" Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know what I mean? It really feels like the spell of Wickham, right? Like, so what? So I obviously question whether or not they are brother and sister, but if they are, like, he's whispered in her ear and she's gone through whatever her life has been um not knowing her family right she's his fucking renfield yeah Mm. yeah that's a great way of putting it yeah Mm -hmm. she's totally his renfield um Mm -hmm. especially because she ate all those flies in the yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway i think um wait uh, janine do you know what we're saying no, Renfield <laughs> is Dra- Count Dracula's man, ser- like servant, who is in his thrall, oh. but he will never make him a vampire because he can just keep using him to do his bidding. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, Helena is Wickham's. Yeah, fucking. Renfield. And one of the totally. things that I love about now I have to look up that actress's name as well about the way that she plays her is we get a flashback of her when we when Darcy recognizes her. Um, we see a little flashback of her extorting money from him to tell him where Georgiana and Wickham are. And it's totally different. She's very in control in the flashback, right? There's none of that like chaotic, unstable energy. She seems like a terrible person, but she doesn't seem out of control, which I think is Mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me find her name. But she, um, 
her whole story is it just felt creepy and weird right that was just a little edge to it that was uncomfortable she's obviously there every day at the trial and then when he is pronounced guilty and uh, sentenced to hang she stands up out of that courthouse walks out into the muddy turdy street and just steps in front of a galloping carriage classic cinema fans may recognize that as red shoesing it that's going the full red shoes Spoilers for a movie that came out a very long time ago. Her name is Maria Gale. Good job, Maria Gale. Yeah. That moment when Darcy confronted her and she was like, just please help me get Wickham's George. Let me get, let's get Wickham's child with Miss Bedwell. Um, Like, it's just like, whoa, like, you know, after you extorted me and tried to put Georgiana into the, that was a weird, like. It's um, also like, why is it? How could she? use that tactic on that person because there's no way that's going to work. The The entire problem with the Wickham situation is is that if his family has that kid, they've still got to tie to Pemberley, and so they're just going to keep... Yeah. F- like, why would Darcy ever give that person any more money? Just for to s- keep himself and his family from exposure? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Just blackmailing? Well, I mean, like, they had that list of Wickham's unpaid debts, right? In the trial. Right. So... And that's presumably stuff that Darcy didn't know about because the whole deal is that he's spending all of his time cleaning up Wickham's messes. So he's probably like, God, I guess I missed a few. You know, this moment, though, with her on that on the landing with Darcy, I don't quite know how I feel about it, but it felt and this might be where her frenetic energy comes from, not having it in the past, but having it now where it felt like she she has she's much of she's very similar to Bidwell uh, on the bridge where she doesn't have resources. Right. She mm-hmm. d- doesn't have anything to fall back on. And so her governess ex- like position was gone. Wickham was supposed to take care of her, but now Wickham can't really do it, but maybe he is. I don't know. But over time, she's like, I don't have anything. This is the one thing I want. And their exchange was um, kind of pointing out that she and the people around anyone with the aristocracy, they support, they are the ones that actually give them the power. And so do me a solid and give me a little bit of power, right? Which was a very, it was an odd interaction that I, I thought I was going to dislike her more in that moment, but I was, I was empathizing. She was definitely cornered. Yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. And I, I, to me, it felt a little bit like some kind of weird sick obsession with Wickham. Yeah. It was all, it was uh, odd. But she threw herself in front of that barouche box and bye bye <laughs> She dies. Um, this is sad, but also we just motor right past it. Bye. It's just like, it's a horrifying look though. The way they set that up and Mm -hmm. putting her under the wheel, it was really good. And then, uh, Lizzie's got a little bit of a bee in her bonnet. She's like, what? There's something that's not working for her. What is it? What is it that makes her go, makes her think of the Bidwell kid? Um, she was talking to the reverend. And the Reverend was, she was, they're basically, you know, checking in and saying like, hey, what a fucking week, huh? <laughs> this mm-hmm. sucks. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I haven't talked to uh, William since the murder. And she goes, oh, I haven't talked to him since the murder either. Right. Yeah. And uh, then they're like, let's go to the cabin. Well, and when you add that together with the shadiness that happens in episode two, which we definitely already talked about. Totally did. I, I mm-hmm. remembered. I look forward to remembering it. Um, yeah. Uh, because there was all of that suspicious behavior and them sort of blocking her from going in and just trying to get her out of the house so quickly and peeking mm-hmm. through the window and all of that. 
I think those things combined make her go, oh, okay. Well, we got to go. We got to go to the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. And then she goes to the cabin and Lizzie straight up fucking Nancy Drew's the fuck out of this and figures it all out. And she gets poor little hot tuberculosis kid to tell the story of what happened, which is Denny came to their house from the carriage, of, as we've seen approximately 6,000 times, him leaving the carriage on the path. <laughs> they do go to yeah. that well a lot. <laughs> so a, a lot. Much. Yeah. Very much. Um, and he stumbles into the woods. He finds the cabin. He's knocking on the door. Tuberculosis kid, home alone, presumably, mother, sister out to work, dad up at the manor. He... Uh, sees this red coat, thinks it's the guy that got his sister pregnant and got her in trouble, comes to the door with a big stick and wipes him across the face. Denny recoils from that, runs away, falls down a ravine, hits his head on a rock and dies. Hits his head. I think he hits on his head on the tombstone. Oh yeah. No, it's a rock because they found the murder. They thought they found, they found the bloody rock, right? So he landed on it. He tripped over the tombstone. There you go. Oh. Yes, at the top of the... Or, like, was near the tombstone and then didn't realize there was a drop-off. I could have sworn I saw his head go on the tombstone nope. and then he rolled. Okay, well, I'm going to say that old Darcy killed him. That's what I'm living with right now. Fine. <laughs> it was Mrs. What's-Her-Face's ghost. <laughs> yeah. Pushed him down the hell she did. <laughs> Mrs. B- Bemelman's ghost. <laughs> Darcy's revenge. Decidedly not. Mrs. Sutcliffe's ghost. That's bad. that's bad. I don't know. That was good. I'm sure that's not right, but <laughs> close enough. Mrs. Lady, oh God, I just I just put together that I, I'm right now making light of the plot where a child is hanged. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna stop. Listen, okay, we'll back out of there. We we remembered in in episode two not to do that. We remembered we that. Did. I we, we did. We did. We maybe. We'll see. <laughs> it's the ghost. Ghost. <laughs> Okay, so Lizzie fucking gets our little fucking goth boy. Sorry, R.I.P. He dies right after he signs this story. Yeah. Oh, God, how sad. She gets it, uh, gets him to sign it, gets in a coach with his dad who's like, I know every road. And they get her to the courthouse. And she comes busting out right before they're about to drop that floor out from under Wickham's feet. Seconds before. Seconds yeah. before. And that moment where he, like, they took the noose off him and he, like, collapsed. He's like, oh, my God, thank fucking God. And then they weren't even off the stairs. And they pulled the lever and killed the other four guys up there. That's I have the note. What about those other dudes? Fuck, Damn. Fuck, man. That must be the worst. Mo- I mean, it's already the worst moment in your life. But right before... This asshole gets free again. And I think great direction uh, for the director who did this, where they were like, we, listen, we have to actually catch the moment of all of you realizing that four people just died behind you. Like, you know they what all it, had this solid moment of seeing that mo- happen. You know what it makes me think of? A towel. Mm. It does make me think of towel. Oh, yeah. towel. People who oh, only towel. listen to Austin Austin will not understand this reference, but there is a, a Titanic figure in Outlander lore. Um, and it's a guy we call Tell. Anyway, he, he dies by hanging. Spoiler for Outlander. <laughs> He's not really named Tell, though, so it's still not a spoiler. Yeah, it's actually a, like a really hidden spoiler. It's yeah. like if you've been listening to us long enough, then you already know he's dead. I think it's Macquarie or something like that. And the way he said it in his really okay. big brogue sounded like Tell. <laughs> tell. So I called him Tell. Yeah, that's yeah. what it sounded like. That tracks. All right, so that's kind of it. I yeah. mean, as far as the plot goes, they save him, and then Lydia and Wickham go to America. Oh, we missed Lydia and Wickham's last goodbye scene, which oh, was very good. Very good. It was 
the first time I looked at that couple and went like, I like you guys. Why are you mm-hmm. so... Fuck, man. It was good. Um, once again, I wonder if that was a moment that may have touched Wickham. Like, gotten to the real person. Like, do you think it could have happened? Maybe. I mean, he's already he's already obsessed with the fact that he's about to die. He can't stop thinking about that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But do you think that this woman that he married, that he has come to find out, is a different... Different kettle of worms. It's like it's a little bit different to be married to this person. Do you think he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that America is going to bring out the worst in both of them. Agreed. Yes. So they're going to the right place. Great. Yeah. Um, it's just this. Yep. Reality show. When and Lydia ha- walk, Jenna Coleman does this thing where she makes Lydia walk differently when she's really feeling herself. And it's like her whole skirt swings. Mm-hmm. That walk down the hall- hallway before Lady Catherine when she was just dumping oh, her clothes. Takes the coat <laughs> off and just, somebody <laughs> she, will pick that but up. But she, she had the swing in that moment, true. She was just like, boom, 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 clothes on the ground. Fuck everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have Georgiana and Henry. Henry's open shirt. I'm into it. We've already discussed it. He did serve that look at the end. And then, oh, Lizzie's pregnant. Yeah. Deuces. <laughs> yeah. And that stuff comes to Pemberley. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Y'all, I really like this one. We don't have to talk about the series as a whole just yet because we're going to do that next week, um, which I'm excited about. Uh, yeah. But I think that I think this episode is the strongest of the three. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I know we talked about this in the last episode, but we did talk a lot about how... The you need to stop doing that. Speaking of perpetrating. <laughs> you, you rascal. <laughs> But I agree. Like there's every like there's not a there's not a slow moment in this. Uh, I remember 12 minutes before it ended, I looked at the time code only because I was just like, "There's so much has happened. Like, how much mm-hmm. more could be left?" Right. Um, but it wasn't because I thought it should have been over. Um, everyone was so good. It was jam packed. It was a really good episode. Really great. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Scales. Well. Do we do, sca- yeah, I guess for the individual episode. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So very briefly, let's do um, the Aspen factor. Uh, who's, shadiness? Who's, what's your peak shadiness moment? I, th- I think uh, Lizzie with Lady Catherine. Yeah. Lizzie using oh, yeah. Agreed. Lydia yeah. um, as an emergency exit device. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, really <laughs> She's using Lydia as that inflatable slide that comes out of a plane. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah. Um, okay, great. Uh, let's do uh, the golden butthole. Who's our golden butthole? Us, for all of our time and present jokes. <laughs> that is a compelling case you just made. <laughs> Barrister. <laughs> case dismissed. <laughs> all right. Uh, costumes. Is there a fa- I really love the robe. There's that beautiful shot of Lydia, like, crying by Pemberley's giant reflecting pool while her husband is presumably about to die. Um, and she's wearing a beautiful robe, which I really liked. <laughs> that felt like such a nineties, like alternative. Um, what's, uh, I can't think of any band names. Just, it, it was like definitely a music, a music video. video for jewel. There it is. Yes. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Uh, my costume would be Matthew Reese's chest hair. <laughs> good, good choice. I loved that judges Santa outfit. <laughs> We know how you did. All right. Um, we did our golden butthole. Who's your MVP? Lizzie. Anna Maxwell Martin? Mm-hmm. 
even if she's not my favorite Lizzie, she like. I just think, ah, oh, though I don't know. In this episode, fucking Wickham was really good. Yeah. yeah, that's where my brain was going. Like he was doing, like this was his episode. To You're right. Really show how. Fucking, he, I just don't yeah. want to give him any laurels. I don't want to give him any wins. Which is why we have to give it to him because he did oh. such a good job of making. Well, us no, feel we're gonna be way. split because we all will pick someone else. Because I'm gonna pick Matthew Reese because I think mm. the best scene in the episode is the apology into the boning, mm. and he's mm-hmm. just so good. The, that's it's a very good apology so sincere so straightforward it's so hard mm-hmm. to pick somebody in any of this though because i'm not thinking of georgiana right or fucking mrs pig piggot like they were all everyone just did such a good job here yep, everybody the ensemble their it was such a great mm-hmm. ensemble moment yes um oh my God. who's that jasper does he have an opinion look how fancy he is <laughs> oh <laughs> My God, you guys, you can't see this, but he's like hogging up an entire corner of Janine's couch and he's just got his front two cross paws like he is a fancy fucking lady. His like eyes are half open. He's like, I'm here, you're talking to somebody, but like oh, he's you so best cute. cuddle with me soon. He is the limit. All right, we did Aspen Factor um get up to get a beer. It's pretty action packed. I think we've established I sure didn't. Not yeah, once. I didn't. Yeah. Not once. No. no. Great. Uh well. That's the end of our Death Comes to Pemberley episodic coverage um, because you already listened to the beginning. <laughs> you already listened to the episode that we are about to record immediately. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, we want to thank all of our patrons. Um, oh my God. Now I'm not. You can find us on Facebook. <laughs> you, you can. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast. You can find us on Twitter at podlandercast. You can follow me on Instagram, although I think I'm going to start one for us. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, Allison Chu. And you can follow us on Patreon where you can come to our lunch breaks or um, New Janine's Corner where he interviews his cat. We want to thank all of our patrons. Uh, the show's really expensive. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. Thank you so much. But especially the following folks. Maddie Perkins, Snazzy Knack, Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Lauren Tennant, Kelsey Kemp, Madison Johnson, Emily Day, Bessie English, Caitlin Reddick, Ashley Tegason, Tina Barnett, The Other Janine, Kristen Freckled Fury, Amelia Bazell, uh, Liz Peniston, sorry, Liz and Tinkerbell, Stella Welch, Chrissy Shively, Claire Feeney, Kayla Reagan, Rochelle Lefevre, uh, Amanda Smzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz